With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Well, hello and good evening, everybody here on a Friday night. No Leaf Hockey, as as you all know by now. Um, but uh, just the two of us tonight, Peter, back to back to the old days, like season one of Sticks and the Six here, our second episode yes. with CHPN. So happy to be here with you guys tonight. Um, on top of that, shout out to the fine folks at the NDL House uh, who have been our presenting sponsor all season long. Uh, we look forward to working with them down the road as well but uh before we get into a little bit of the the leaf off-season talk um peter how's it going this week buddy oh i mean rough news hit our household this week you know three obviously everyone is aware of the pandemic and everything like that how it's ended we seem to be coming out of it but uh you know just when everything gets lifted uh our household gets hit and uh, th- like literally, I think it's about three years and a few months where we've avoided it. And it was only a matter of time. But, you know, we got hit. But at the same time, we're not, you know, showing uh, any symptoms whatsoever. I've tested negative, but a couple members of my family, they have it as well. But uh, yeah, it- it's uh, it's rough. But good news is it's just like a dry cough, nothing else, no issue, no nothing. So hopefully it remains that way. But doing good obviously not 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 the best way to start off a podcast it's just really funny how everything panned out how we've done all this and then at the end you know we get hit but minor minor symptoms very very mild so that's that's one way to look at it yeah no it's uh you know you you guys you guys lasted a while you lasted a A while while. yeah yeah. that's something to be proud of for (laughs) sure Um, we're in a badge of honor for a bit yeah that's right that's right (laughs) um yeah i mean Great news for us. We're uh, this is actually the first episode we're going to be live on Twitch as well. Um, so that's uh, that's big as well. Our first Twitch yes. broadcast. We're trying to delve in. Like you got you got the old guy here doing all the uh, <laughs> all the shifting and moving of of uh, kind of the uh, the socials. So I'm learning. I'm learning and uh, getting uh, getting the hang of some of these things. But um, aside from that, uh, like I said, we have some off season leave talk to get to. Uh, big news from my week. I'm on vacation this week. I cooked yeah. a brisk. I smoked a brisket for the first time. I smoked a brisket for the first time, and um, it was on the smaller side. It was a smaller brisket. Um, I think we did. What was it about nine hours? Nine hours on the smoker. 
um nice some some nice cherry and and uh cherry and oak chips going in there and uh dry dry rubbed it with an espresso rub that i got in a barbecue kit that like my brother my brother knows i'm a big barbecuer so set me up for this monthly like kit that i get in nice uh espresso rub from california so shout out to shout out to them for uh for getting that uh getting that to me and man it was uh it was it was it was good it was really good i had i had the family down we had my uh my wife's family over for dinner mm-hmm. and uh had the leftovers the next day at the zoo with my little guy. So got you. <laughs> risk it is good. Um, I've learned some things and next time it'll be even better, but uh, definitely, definitely enjoyed my first time smoking brisket. Nice love, coffee uh, early in the morning. And that was my, that was my highlight of the week so far. Love that. Love the fact that you got the grilling going and even the smoking too. Cause um, I like, I, like you use different kinds of woods for that, but it's like cherry and oak, like the staple for smoking stuff like that. Or like, yeah, like I, yeah. I, I see a lot of cooking shows, but at the same time, it's like, I want to try and learn myself. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably like your go-to um, like I've got a little bag of like peach wood from one of these barbecue kits. I haven't, I haven't used yet just cause the, the woods a different, uh, different from what I put in my, my yeah. smoker. So it kind of, uh, you know, it's, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't go over that well, but like, I mean, there's all kinds, right? Like in, and it's kind of up to what your flavor is and the kind of smoking mm-hmm. you want and man, but this brisket was crisp on the outside and, and just succulent on the inside. Ah, uh, that's um, the way, that's the way it goes. I'm pretty sure if Guy Fieri was uh, at your household, you're probably, uh, it's a winner, winner brisket dinner kind of thing. Yo, there's a there's a show <laughs> in town here on on local Rogers Network that uh, they do like barbecues in your backyard, and he had Ooh. some openings, and I'm like, man, I should go for this, but I'm yo, I'm, do I'm it, do the, it. I'm not the host type, buddy. I like I don't I don't <laughs> like hosting. I like I like cooking. I don't like hosting. I like uh, I like having my beers outside and just. Fair and I don't know if I'd be able to get buckled on on a Rogers <laughs> TV show. So, that would be great to see, though. Yeah, yeah. Local man <laughs> gets buckled on Rogers TV. Uh, something tells me that wouldn't go over well. Um, but anyways, let's get into some of the hockey talk. Um, before we get to our lease, I want to talk to you about Rod Brindamore. And man, this guy's received so much praise over the last little bit in terms last couple seasons in terms of his coaching, his ability his, his muscles, like this guy, this guy is Rod the bod for a reason. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but he came out of the, the, the Carolina, Florida series, and we all know what, uh, what Florida did there four and out, um, nice sweep of the series. And he basically said, look, we lost four games, but we didn't get swept. And there was a funny tweet. I believe it was Alex who put it out there that said, you know, if this was, if this was Shelly Keefe who said this, he would have gotten ripped a new one. Right. Mm-hmm. But now we're talking about Rod Brindamore. He was a Jack Adams can. I believe he won the Jack Adams uh, a year ago. Um, but regardless, you lose four games and you didn't get swept. I want to get your take on that quote. Is that like a pump up quote for like, you know, we got a big off season coming up. We need to get these guys back in it. Or is that like, you know, maybe, maybe you need to admit defeat a little bit. Uh, I mean, you really should admit defeat because you lost four straight. That is getting swept. I understand where he's coming from in the sense that it wasn't massive blowouts. It was very close games, one goal games. You know, a lot of them came, uh, coming off game winners off the stick of uh, Matthew Kachuk. But you could say that we didn't get swept in the sense that, you know, it, it was major blowouts. But at the same time, a sweep is a sweep. No matter how you look at it, you still lost. You still lost four straight. And... You know, it kind of feels like 
Toronto, aside from the Boston Bruins, but like in the later rounds, Toronto was the only one to hand the Florida Panthers a loss. I don't know if the Maple Leafs should try and take some sort of consolation prize there because they managed to get a win by, but at the same time, you know, maybe you should just admit defeat because, you know, you still lost four games, no matter how you look at it. Um, I understand the, what he's trying to say in the context that, you know, it wasn't as bad as it was because Carolina was dominating in terms of possession, in terms of zone time, chances, what have you. But in the end, Florida found a way to get one extra goal. Carolina didn't. And that's just basically where I stand right now. I, I mean, it's very confusing. And even so, like, I think, like even so, I, I think there was like a comparison between what would you rather say didn't get swept with this comment or, you know, we earned respect in the handshake line. I can't remember who said that. I'll try and look that up. But everyone is basically saying I'd rather take Sheldon Keith's comment losing earning respect than trying to go that route. Yeah, no. And, and I kind of agree with you. Like, I think it was like one of those things where it's like, you know, you're coming off of you're coming off of the four game sweep. You want to give credit to your guys and you're kind of just like pumping their tires a little bit saying, you know, like we didn't play poorly and they, and they didn't, I mean, when you look no. at the, when you look at the box scores, they didn't play poorly. When you look at the games, they didn't play poorly. And so I, I get where he was going with it. I, I really do. But I, to me, it's like almost like you have to lose with a little bit of grace. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me was like, man, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I think it was more just like a, Hey, we got to pump our guys tires. They played a good, good series. And you know, it didn't, uh, didn't quite work out in our favor at all. Um, but anyways, Oh, so I managed to find it. It was, uh, it was from, uh, Jay Raya, uh, just another Jay's fan at J Jay Raya underscore Jay Raya. What's worse. Brenda Moore. Uh, we didn't get swept or Sheldon Keith respect and handshake line. And then Nick Richard, um, I believe we've had on the show or yes. uh, on yeah. before basically said Brenda Moore by a lot. I mean, I, I would tend to agree with that because you did lose. There's a difference between losing and saying, Hey, listen, you put up a good fight and you earn the respect kind of thing, even though you still came on losing in, you get swept, you get swept. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You got to admit defeat when it happens. Um, I, I should, I should also mention, sorry, I, I meant to mention this off the top of the show, but tonight we were supposed to have Sean, the Sheriff McMorrow on um, big enforcer. Um, mm-hmm. Other, other commitments came up and uh, so we're going to try and get him on later this week. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he, he's a guy that would tell you, you got to admit defeat. I think he, oh, yeah. I, I don't know if you, if, if you guys know Sean McMorrow, like this guy, this guy's got energy. He brings he brings energy to the house. Energy, and emotion. That, oh my intensity. god! Oh my god! He brings I it love all. it. I yeah. love it. I love it. So we're gonna pump him up a little bit because we're gonna have him on later this week, mm-hmm. and uh, he's 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 definitely a hoot to to listen to and and, and you know have a conversation with. So if you're if big you're a big sticks in the six fan, tune in. If you're a big Sean McMorrow fan, tune in. If you're a big hockey fan, tune in. This guy's mm-hmm. gonna absolutely tear the house down. So uh, very excited about that. But we got a lot of Leaf talk to, do, to 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 carry on this episode, and 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 it seems weird knowing that they're out, and we still have tons to talk about when it comes to the Leafs. But I mean, how can we not discuss what's going on in Leafland? Uh, we are a Leaf podcast after all, so let's kick it off with some Luke Shen talk. Is Luke Shen coming back? Or are we going to have to find a way to get him back again? Um, considering he anchored your top defensive pairing and Morgan Riley looked like a completely different player 
A hundred and twenty thousand percent. Yes. I know that's not a real figure or a number, but you do everything you can to bring Shen back. I mean, you heard how ecstatic he was to come back and go on a long run. Unfortunately, it ended a little, it, it, the run fell a little shorter than expected, but you could tell that every single time the Shen Riley pairing was on, it was an impact offensively. It was an impact defensively. This is a guy that did everything, um, showed great leadership, especially in that, I believe it was game three when there was a massive scrum with uh, Riley and point, and there's a bickering going back and forth between the benches and, you know, Luke Shen calling either Pat Maroon or Tanner Genoa relevant. He was getting inside their heads. That's the guy you want. And I would love for them to bring him back because he brought that energy. He brought that, you know, tough mentality that if you're going to go through this team, you're going to go through me. And, you know, if it's on league minimum contracts, two, three years, do what you can to bring Shen back because I absolutely love them back in a blue and white uniform. So regular season stats, 70 games, four goals, 22 points, 84 penalty minutes. Uh, he was previously on a two-year contract worth 850K per year cap hit. The, the next contract uh, projection from Daily Faceoff is one year at $1.6 million. Um, mm. So I, I like for me, I think that's a little bit out of the realm of, of reality um, just only because like, I know he, I know what he brings to the lineup. Um, but we even, when we had Jay Rosehill on big friend of Luke Shen's and yeah. he kind of said, you know, <clears throat> Luke's co- consistently been thinking about like, how, how do I stay in this league? How am I going to get there? How am I going to be, be relevant? And um, one of the big talking points was that, you know, you just keep pushing, you keep plugging, you keep doing what you need to do to stay there. Now, Luke Shen, one of the biggest hitters in the league this year, um shot blocks he was there um still has still has a cannon when he can get the shot away from the point Mm -hmm. as well um adds a little bit of that offensive flair not the best skater anymore and i think that might be the one that pulls down his value a little bit yeah but i mean if you if you're talking about a one year at 1.6 i think you can go two years at 1 million per and i think that's a conversation to be had Mm -hmm. i think if you if you lower the aav and go you know couple years and you've solidified him as a piece of your blue line for the next couple years or even in that second year he's kind of an in and out maybe a trade possibility once you once you you know get to a a point in the season where you know what what you have um i think that's that's a possibility for the leafs obviously you know this is this is a team that has a lot of up and coming defensive prospects and that's that's going to be the one that's going to be the one thing that they look at and say well you know can we really validate having him here for two years um, I, you know, that's a conversation that they have to have within the room with their GM, whoever it might be. And we'll get to that in a little bit, <laughs> but I could see them going after Luke Shen on a two-year deal at a million bucks. I, I think when you get to that 1.5, 2 million range at one year, uh, you have to start to question where you're going with the team, mm-hmm. because I think right now you need every dollar, every dollar needs to count towards going towards obviously Shanahan's keeping his core four. Um, so every dollar needs to go towards finding a way to get those guys signed long-term. If you give Luke Shen, you know, $1.62 million a year for even just a year, obviously the conversation is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. And you brought up a good point about that. I wonder if he maybe tries to take a similar contract that Giordano took. I mean, I, I get 1 million is probably the realm more realistic than anything, but if he's able to take maybe a shed less than that, think that would be a little bit more realistic too for the Maple Leafs because that'll help them out big time. But even so, you were mentioning off the stats too. 
in the playoffs, Shannon Riley, 54.60 shots for percentage. Goals for percentage, 81.2 at five on five. They were on for nine, four, two against. High danger chances, 63.38%. That is a pairing that did a lot of damage offensively. And you, 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 like you mentioned, Luke Shen doesn't, he, he can't throw the puck on net, but the offensive capabilities are a little bit limited. But man, when he's finding Morgan Riley and Morgan Riley's doing the heavy lifting and he's still contributing as a result of that, that's huge. And I agree too. I think you do got to look at who's coming up in the future. I mean, obviously you want to keep that spot open or one spot available in the top four for Timothy Lilligren. Topi Niamela, what's going to happen with him in a year or two? Is he going to progress rapidly and maybe get a call up to the NHL? We'll see what happens because he's a promising defender in their system. Um, if anything, I do think that you can still move him down the lineup and so and he can still be an impactful player no matter where he is. So um yeah, a lot, a lot of questions surrounding that, but definitely it's not out of the question. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that's it's, it's definitely a discussion that needs to be had. And and you did bring up his excitement to be back in Toronto. I think that's something that needs to be taken mm-hmm. into into uh, into account as well. And and I say that, and I, I I'm going to come out with a piece at the hockey writers as well. But I'm saying that in in that. You know, Craig Conroy had a had a quote to, um, the other day with uh, when he got hired by Calgary as their GM, saying that you know I want people that are that want to be here. I mm. want pe- I want players that want to be here. If you don't want to be here, if you're just here for the money, see you later. And that's the mentality that I think whatever GM comes in here into Toronto, that's the mentality they need to have. If you want to be here, let's make it so that you are here, and mm. that's got to be kind of the focus point uh, for from from. You know, from a fan standpoint, that's what you want to see. From a from an organizational standpoint, that's what you want to see as well. So, in saying that, Nolachari is another guy that you know, free agent. His name's come up a little bit about you know possibly wanting to stay in Toronto, and uh, you know, run it back with this core four, as they say. Um, your thoughts on Nolachari, and, and, and is this something the Leafs can maybe facilitate in in bringing him back as as a member of the Maple Leafs? I mean, same th- same reason that I basically with Luke Shen. This is a guy that brought a lot of energy to a, a bottom six that was lacking in a lot of areas. He was, you know, always in on the forecheck. He was basically laying laying everything on the line with block shots. Um, you know, there are a couple times where we held our breath because it looked like he got injured, but he was uh, toughing it, toughing it out because that's who Achari is. Um, you know, getting in on the action offensively every now and then. This is a guy that you want to be that, you know, sort of player that grinds down the opponent, you know, give some wear and tear, make them feel uncomfortable in any situation. And Achari brought that with the physicality. Obviously, him and Shen were probably one, uh, one two in hits on the team as well. Um, it's, it's something that I've always wanted to see, Noel Chari being on this team long term as opposed to just like a one and done kind of thing. Um, I, we talked about it before, uh, especially with the deadline moves that were done. I loathe Achari on the Bruins because of obviously one, the rivalry too, but how much of a thorn he was in our side. And he was starting to do that very, very well with the Maple Leafs. And if we're able to keep that in the fold, that energy, that intensity, the speed that he has as well, 
that's going to make their bottom six still even more competitive because you brought in a piece that was very, very crucial into this, you know, again, shortened playoff run, but would have made an impact down the line no matter what. So he said, he, I, I believe he said he wanted to stay. I feel the exact same way because he's everything they need. Yeah. I mean, here's another guy that I think is realistically, uh, you know, you got to look at, at what, where your money's going. Um, and, and definitely he's a possibility to come back. I know there's a lot of conversation about Ryan O'Reilly testing the market. So you already know he's kind of gone. Um, Michael Bunting. Um, there's a lot of question marks there as well. Alex Kerfoot's another guy that, you know, you have to really think about, but a guy like David Kampf, a guy like, uh, Nola Chari, those are guys that you want back in the lineup and, and, and they, they solidify your bottom six without, you know, paying too much. And I think, I think Nola Chari is a guy that you can get back for a couple million um, or, mm-hmm. or 3 million. And you'd be happy with um, over a couple, couple years, a few years, maybe three year deal. Um, you don't want to go too long-term. I don't think um, just because at this point in time, you don't know where your lineup's going to be in a couple of years. Yeah. A lot of big question marks. And, you know, you can, you can sit back and say like, you know, there's always going to be question marks. Absolutely. There's, there's always gonna be question marks right now. Your biggest question marks are Nylander and, and, uh, Matthews and what the future of them are in blue and white. So I think once you answer a couple of those questions, then you're kind of in a more comfortable spot. You know where your money is, you know what you can, you know, dish out and, you know, it, it kind of changes the, uh, the perspective of how you approach some of these bottom six guys. But at this point in time, this is where you want a guy like Nola Chari to kind of take a, take a little bit of a cut and say, you know what, I want to be part of a winning, winning franchise. And, and you have to hope that Toronto can, can make that, take that next step. Absolutely. Um, before we get to our next point, uh, just a quick word from one of our sponsors, Indie Ale House, our presenting sponsor. The off season is back for the Maple Leafs, and we are all enjoying it. <laughs> Getting ready for a night out or watching the game at home with the gang. What better way to do it with than with a nice cold one from the folks at the Indie Ale House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay & Bloor, the Biroteca location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keel & Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers, perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo, Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream Pilsners and easy drinking options. Indie Alehouse is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indialehouse.com today to place your order. And I should note as well, uh, Indie Alehouse just came out with a new brew. The, they, they posted on their Twitter today, a cherry raspberry sour. So if you're into the sours, um, I like to dabble in the, in the sours during, uh, during the summer months. So perfect time to go out and get uh, one of the cherry raspberry or six pack of the cherry raspberry sour <laughs> over at Indie Alehouse, one of their two locations. Not sure that one will be in the LCBO. I don't believe so. So check out the Indie Alehouse locations in Toronto. Um, Peter, I want to talk about a little something from Martin Broder uh, that was recently said. Um, he said that in the, the heydays of the New Jersey Devils, the core there, and, and when we speak of the core there, we're talking Scott Stevens, we're talking uh, Scott Niedermeyer, we're talking Martin Broder himself. 
possibly even guys like Patrick Iliash, um, you know, uh, Sergey Breland was there at the time. Uh, Brian Gianta was there at the time. So there's, there's a lot of, of names that were part of that kind of core. Mm-hmm. And one of the things Martin Brodeur said, and not specifically about the Leafs, but just in general, is that a lot of times they on their contracts, they took some pay cuts to kind of keep that core together. And that's something we've talked about a number of times when it comes to the Boston Bruins. The reason the Boston Bruins were as productive and as dominant as they were for as long as they were was because guys like Patrice Bergeron went in there and said, I'm not worth 8.5. Give me 6.5. I want to win. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's the mentality that I think some of these teams with the big guy, big name guys are missing now. Um, And I look at Toronto. I look at Edmonton. I look at, um, you know, New Jersey might even be in that conversation now with Jack Hughes uh, on a big contract. Colorado mm-hmm. now with some of their guys that have, you know, McKinnon and Rantanen. And McKinnon, Rantanen. Um, I mean, you even talk Landeskog. Landeskog, he, I would say he took a hometown discount, but he's still, yeah. he's still making pretty, pretty money. Um, and then, of course, Makar as well took a big contract after his, uh, his big year. So, those are the kind of the big teams I think about now that maybe the pay cuts aren't coming in the way that they once did to, to keep that core together. And what's, what's crazy about that is that in the heyday of New Jersey, there wasn't the same cap as there was with there is now. Right. And they still took pay cuts to make sure that that team could stay together. That team could win. They could fill their fingers with, with Stanley cup rings. Now you've got teams like Toronto on a hard cap and you can't keep that core together for a long, a long period of time because of that. And and when I'm talking long period of time, I'm not talking like seven to 10 years because realistically that can go by like that. Mm-hmm. Like we're already six years in seven years into Matthews and Marner and it's gone by like that. Yeah. So I'm talking like 15 years where you get a chance to, to run it back and go for a cup and go for multiple cups and keep them at a good price where you can bring in the, the, secondary and tertiary players that you need to get that done your thoughts on martin broder saying that well isn't it funny that i mean with all the controversy swirling around dubas and shanahan didn't shanahan say the same thing at one point where maybe players have got to start prioritizing winning as opposed to earning you know big checks and at the same time i do agree that players should you know get what their worth is but at some point uh, every single year if you try to build on what you've already done the previous year and the following year and you say oh i'm more than the 11 million and i'm just going to use austin matthews as as an example you know he's currently making 11 million after this contract is he going to say oh i want to win but also i feel like i'm worth you know let's say 12.5 million in the same realm as mckinnon being paid more than him are you just going to have these uh, star players like outbid each other and try to be the highest paid player i mean what's more important i mean i i get it you want that security you want that financial benefit right now but considering that you took a massive contract right now maybe you should start prioritizing winning maybe you should maybe take a bit of a pay cut and you know if matthews keeps the same figure as it is right now maybe that's the discount i don't know maybe it's less i can't predict the future but i do agree at some point you do got to start predicting or start to value winning and you boston Bru- the boston bruins are the perfect example of that Granted, it didn't quite happen right now because, you know, they had that first round exit, but they were always a contender and they were able to fill out the rest of the roster because they had that cap space. They had the money. If you're allocating that much money to like just 
a certain group of players, that's going to make things a lot more difficult. And, you know, everyone's going to point to John Tavares' contract too. Um, I do think that he's still productive, but at the same point, when his contract's up, he's got to say, hey, listen, if he's not waiving his no-movement contract, he's going to probably want to stay in Toronto and end out his playing career here. So if he wants to stay, he's probably going to have to take maybe half of what he's making right now so that way they can allocate that money around elsewhere um that's not to say the same shouldn't happen to matthews nylander and marner they got to realize what's important too yeah you got you need to think about your security but at the same time if you're on this team and you want to be a part of the long run you got to prioritize winning because if you're going to jump ship go play in another market that isn't you know quite in it to win it just yet then what's the point yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, and and I think even Shanahan mentioned that Detroit kind of took the Detroit core that they had there to kind of took a, a cut as they well. I mean, to, yeah. Now, in saying that, you can say that as much as you want at, at this point. Um, you don't know what the negotiations were like in those rooms. You don't know what, you know, what they were even offered by management yeah. at the time. The dollar was completely different at the time. Inflation's really taken off here. And again, like you said, there's no salary cap and it's not slowly increasing right now. And you didn't have two, three years of a pandemic to worry about, too. Exactly. So, I mean, there is there is a lot that comes into play. Um, the cost of living, like we're not going to get into the <laughs> well, socio-political stuff. Let's not get into that just yet. We're a hockey podcast yeah. for a reason. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to get into the socio-political <laughs> crap here. But, um, I mean, that's definitely something that you have to consider as well is that mm-hmm. there there is a different <laughs> – there's a different there's a different cost of living. The the taxes in in Toronto are different than the taxes in or the non-existent taxes in Florida, right? So yeah. there is a conversation to be had about that, and maybe that's maybe that's where you have to look at it from a from a uh, a league wide standpoint and try and find facilitate a way to make it more consistent across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes more markets competitive, um, and it makes you know maybe some smaller markets more competitive for for players to want to go there, right? Um, in that, in that, you know, again, stepping away from all the taxes and the government and the, the BS that, you know, we could definitely dive into <laughs> if we really wanted to, um, to look at it from a standpoint of, yes, these core guys need to take cuts. Absolutely. I think if you're Austin Matthews at this point, if you truly do want to stay in Toronto and he did say like, he wants to be with Toronto or he, he enjoys playing in Toronto. I believe he mm-hmm. said, um, and we talked about the last week the difference between oh I wanna I wanna play here before between that and I don't want to play anywhere else. Yeah, With which that which Nylander comment. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, take it for what you will. Take we talked about the July first deadline last week. So take that for what you will. Um, you know, Elliot Friedman came out with that report of like July first. He's not signing a contract, and like everyone ran with it. It was like, he, it was, he, he can't, it was mass panic. And, and it was. nobody looked at it and said, you know what? He can't legitimately sign that contract prior to July 1st. Yeah. There I could mean, be negotiations. It, Obviously something would slip. People would know he's signing, but he can't legitimately sign that contract before July 1st. Mm-hmm. So let's get that panic right out of here. Okay. <laughs> the fact that he's now looking at it and saying, you know, I want to take a step back and see what the organization does. I think that's a different, that's a different conversation. Yeah. Um, if now if you're the now if you're the the organization now you have to look at we got to bring in the right GM we have to make the right moves and at the end of the day this is our star guy do we want him here long term then we got to figure it out if we if we don't care if he walks 
which I can't see any organization saying that regardless of if he had an up or down year, like this is a guy who can score 60 goals like that. Yeah. Um, to, to sit there and say like, yeah, we were considering letting him walk for nothing is asinine. So yeah. um, I think that's a conversation you need to have and you need within the organization, figure out what pieces you need to put in place to make sure that Austin Matthews wants to be in Toronto long-term. Yeah. And if that's the case, then you talk to him about, Hey, look, if we're going to do the, 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 if we're going to look at this organization and build the roster based around the fact that you're our star go-to guy, we need a commitment. And that commitment needs to be eight years and needs to be well under market value of what you would be out on the market. So yeah. you might not be the top, the highest paid hockey player. You might be, you know, in the range of a Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. But what's more be important here? at this point? Yeah. You want to be Cups here for money. You'll get the money. You'll get the money in advertising. This guy's in. That's what I was just about to say. Doesn't he have like three or four different commercials? There's that RBC one. There's RBC. uh, This guy's on Mars Blade. If you ever look at Mars Blade, he's he's representing Mars Blade. And like the fashion BS that this guy's involved in, he's making that money regardless. That's That's what I'm saying. You got extra money outside of that for all these endorsement deals. If with all that money with the endorsement deals that could add towards the contract and you could probably take that back and be like, Hey, this is the discount that I'll give you kind of thing. Bieber would pay you to be on his next album. Okay. That's how, that's how much money you're going to make. Biebs get on that. So here's my thing. When it comes down to it, the question you have to ask him, and this, Mm -hmm. this is a tough question, but the question you have to ask him is, do you want a, do you want a statue on legends row? Because right now, if he goes anywhere else for the rest of his career, he's not getting a statue anywhere. That's true. Yeah. So do you want a statue on Legends Row aside, like besides some of the greatest players to ever play for this organization? Or would you rather make sure that you you make your bag and retire, you know, laying in a bed of hundreds? Mm-hmm. Right. And and at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's you don't obviously you don't sell it to him like that. But you say like that. This is these are your options. What is what is important to you? you? That's the question that you would ask. What is the most important thing to you? right You could now? be you could be an organizational landmark for one of the most historical um, organizations in the in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Or you could be a guy who wants to make his money and, and maybe never win a cup. That's true. Or chase a cup. Like this is where you go back to say, hey, talk to Thornton. Talk yeah. to Marlo, right? That's talk who. to these guys. Talk to Spezza. Talk yeah. to these guys. They, I, they were chasing cups think, at the end of their career. I think Marlo was a different situation because he signed for like, what, 6.8 over three years? Yo, he was but a that was, that was That was a different situation because that was a Lulai Morello contract. Okay, first of all, I don't like I don't even want to get into this, but okay, okay. Sorry, I think, sorry I brought that no, up. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think I think Marlo was the worst role model for these guys because he came in and he wanted money. That's and true. he got his and he got his money, right? Mm-hmm. He got what was it, three years at six point one two five? Six, I think was that was it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever. It's in the range. I could do the, could do the digging while you doesn't. Regardless, this is a guy who's always chased money. Even in San Jose, look back at his contracts. This guy's made money over his career. Now, we won't talk about where that money went because some of it went to supporting the uh, the. Uh, um, the rallies in, in Ottawa and, and all that bullshit. So we won't talk about that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but this is this, that's not a guy you want kind of running the team and, mm-hmm. and, and letting your, your star guys know like, Hey, like you're going to get your bank. No, no, don't worry about it. Let's, let's not forget. 
and, and this might not have anything to do with it, but let's not forget that at one point Marlowe got stripped of the sea in, in San Jose. Yeah. There, there, there's reasons behind that. It's not just because you need an organizational change. There's a reason why Blake Wheeler was stripped of the sea in Winnipeg this year. Mm-hmm. There was a cultural problem within that room. And someone needs and to it step was, up and show and it. it. Was, it was the leadership group. Yeah. So, I mean, speculation is, you know, like we can speculate as much as we want for the reasons behind all this. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like this is something that Toronto has to look at. This is something that the new GM is going to have to look at and they're going to have to make a tough decision. Like make the, make the call on, on Austin Matthews say, look, this is what we want. If this turns into a Sundin situation where like, I don't want to be traded in my final year and then I'm going to walk at the end of the year, then I think you got a bigger issue. You're going to have a and, lot and of fans be upset. You're going to, you're going to have a riot. You yeah. think, you think the Islanders were rough on, on Tavares? Mm-hmm. I, I can guarantee you. If that I situation happens, yeah. you that it's going to be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like I said, do what you will with it, but you got at, at a certain point, you have to talk to your star players about taking in a home, a hometown discount mm-hmm. to, to help the organization kind of get to where they want to be. Yeah. Marlon was at 6.25 for three years. Again, step away, step aside from that. But I, I keep thinking about this. Obviously, if I was, you know, better than just, you know, select A-level hockey and I went further in a career and I'm getting like all these kind con- like, let's say I become a star player and I'm in the same situation as a Matthews, a McKinnon, McDavid, all these players right here. The dream is to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, you fantasize about that playing mini sticks in the basement, you know, scoring the game winning goal and game seven overtime hoisting the cup. Yeah. The contracts are fine, but if I were in their situation and again, this is just me speaking. Yeah. I want security, but at the same time to me, I want to do what I can to win the cup. That's the most important thing. And I would, even if I wasn't a star player, if I was still making, you know, third line money, fourth line money, whatever. It's more than what, you know, we're I'm making right now kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know what, if I'm in that spot and I'm still making millions, whether it's two, three, four, increase the number, whatever. If there comes a point where I want to take a step back and say, I don't want the money. It's not about the money. It's about the chip and the cup. That's the focus. Would you, I would, it's, oh, sorry, it's, it's the Pat Maroon question, right? Would you rather have mm-hmm. three cups and be paid a million bucks a year? Or would you rather have no cups and paid 11 million bucks a year? I'm still trying to play the lottery to win a $2 million jackpot. So, yeah. yeah I take I'd, 50K. I would, I'd take, t- 50K. I would take 50 I would take 50K too. I would take yeah. a thousand bucks a week for life or the cash for life thing yeah. than anything else at this point. Because, again like these are star athletes they're paid the big bucks but at the same time again the experience man yeah experience it is and 100 that that to me like i keep i keep thinking about the situation that i would be in and obviously you know i'm more of like a modest kind of person i would still feel the same way if i was still a star athlete because i know what's important i want to be known for bringing a championship back not for just making millions and again Everything is important, but when you're still making, you know, decent amount of money like you are as a fourth line or even AHLer, then, you know, I, I, I shouldn't say AHLer because there's still some discrepancies there, but I mean, still good money no matter what. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, actually, perfect segue into our next ad read here. Uh, you, one way to make good money is is betting with <laughs> DraftKings Sportsbooks if you're if you're good at betting. Uh, light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbooks. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. So one of those bets, as we mentioned last week, is betting on the new GM of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, which we'll get into in a little bit here. And I'm sure the odds have changed ever so slightly to favor Brad Tree Living. So we'll get into that in just a second here. But download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinem at a.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus to play in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for offer details. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Make sure you use THPN when you sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook. So in saying that, all of this money talk comes back to the next GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And right now, word is they've interviewed Brad Treliving. Uh, we know his his run with the Calgary Flames. He was supposed to build this epic challenger in the, in the West when it came to the Flames. Um, you saw Johnny Goudreau go. You saw Matthew Tuchuk go. Uh, you saw Sean Monaghan go. You saw big names come in, though, as well in Huberto um, and, and Mackenzie Weger. Um, we've discussed what we thought about uh, uh, Huberdeau and, and maybe that Daryl Sutter was to blame for his off year. Um, your thoughts on Brad Treliving and the reports that are out there right now with three other names that maybe might not be as good as the option that they have in Treliving. I'm just going to say this flat out right now. Two, maybe three, I would not even consider with I would not even cons- I would probably just look at that and just throw it away. And I think you know what two names I'm talking about right now based on the history of what they're able to do. And you know what? I'm just going to say this. I wouldn't even consider Bergevin or Shirelli at all. No. I mean, you look at what Bergevin did during the whole PK Subban thing, um, the debacle of, you know, trading pieces, making bad decisions as well. Um, you look at Shirelli, how well he handled surrounding McDavid with talent and still having questionable making questionable moves in goaltending and on defense that's not something you want with this team right now considering where you, how i mean you won around but you went further than any other you know iteration of the maple Leafs previously if they were to take the t they take over as gm i think it, it would be a massive massive two three steps back at this point because of their history and they're not in the nhl right now for a reason and there are other people taking over or being considered for jobs because they may not have the experience, but they're smart hockey minds. And this is why I'm still kind of hopeful that Eric Tolsky is still being considered because apparently he was out of the running for the Penguins GM job, according to Pierre Lebrun from TSN. Because Dubas is number one. Yeah. 
Um, but I, and this is why I love Eric Tulski of what he was able to do with the Carolina Hurricanes because you you see the roster right now that is you know championship caliber roster right there. Um, because he's had to have a say in everything and even the prospect pool of what he was able to do and help facilitate that going back and forth with scouts and everything. So he knows his stuff. I would probably take him as my GM front runner, but Brad Living is a top name. And honestly, Getty, I was probably digressing a little bit right there and going off track. But to the main point, I do think out of those names, I think Living is Trilliving isn't my top name, but he is in the realm of being in my top three or five candidates for the GM job. And like you said, he made letting Goudreau wasn't necessarily his fault because of the fact that it kind of, I, I got the feeling that Goudreau was going to walk anyways. He like, I think he wanted oh, to be absolutely. closer to home. Absolutely. I think absolutely. he wanted to be closer to home and he had to play the cards that were handed to him in the Matthew Kachuk trade because you brought in a really good winger in Jonathan Huberto. You brought in a top two defender in Mackenzie Weger. And we're seeing Weger light up the um, World Hockey Championship right now for Canada. Absolutely fantastic. Huberto, I didn't think he would have the same production, but I still thought maybe he could have been a 75-80 point player. That being said, I do agree Sutter played a hand in that. Players just don't go to the GM or like, you know, president and say, hey, make the coaching change or I want to trade and then rescind that after the trade is done. You knew it was the coach. So I want to know if there, if the fresh voice is going to help, but even so, like he's made a lot of great moves. Um, you know, there were doubts about uh, Jacob Markstrom and now he's, you know, possibly a top five, 10 goaltender. And he kept the Calgary flames in a lot of games this year when the team in front of him was bad. You made a great acquisition and bringing in Elias Lindholm as your top center he has looked very consistent. And you even look at some of the draft too. Like, obviously, he's had more success in the first round than the second, third, or fourth round. But you look at, you know, Matthew Coronado tearing it up, Jacob Peltier, uh, Connor Zeri still trying to find his footing. But even drafting Matthew Kachuk, even drafting Dustin Wolf later on, these are some great names that he found in the system. Obviously, you want to see a little bit more. But he has had a track record of, you know, making moves when necessary and, you know, making tough decisions. And him in the fold, I think that's going to be a, not necessarily a good breath of fresh air, but I think he's going to be more impactful in that regard. That's, a, that's not to say that Dubas wasn't, but I think he, with that experience, with the fact that he's had over the past, he is qualified to take over the job. And a lot of fans are still very questionable about it, but I, obviously, I would love to keep Dubis, but who would you rather have at this point? I, I you got to take Trey Living because I do not want Chiarelli. I do not want Bergevin. Um, don't want Jim Benning. Dave Notice is off the table because we're all far too familiar with Dave Notice and what he's done in the past with this team managing the team. But at the same time, you just got you just got to. And I'm probably going on and on about this, but. Yeah, that, that, that's where I stand on Trey Living. I do think he's a great mind. I, I would like someone a little bit, you know, younger with the same kind of mentality of like, you know, finding quality skill and everything like that. But he has he has amassed, you know, a really good team for the Calgary Flames that were potential, law, you know, teams that can make long runs. And he did a lot of great moves. So maybe we should give him that opportunity. 
give me Kyle Dubas. <laughs> or Kyle Dubas. Yeah. No, but <laughs> I, I, like in all honesty, like, I mean, obviously like there was a report out there today that, uh, you know, he's 98% or yeah, 98% going to take the job in Pittsburgh. He's number one on Pittsburgh's list. I like, I just, I'm just going to say this also too. He said like in his exit meeting that you're not going to hear my name a week later in another job. Yeah. But I mean, I think he was maybe trying to play his hand and it didn't quite work out, but yeah, yeah. I think, I I think that's different story. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I think there's, you know, there's a certain point where like, you know, he thought, he thought they were that close to the, the, you know, the final, final line on, on signing a new contract in Toronto. So he could Mm -hmm. say that and say that, you know, I'm not leaving Toronto and, and I don't want to be anywhere else and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so, yeah, playing, playing his card a little bit, but at the same time, I think he was safe. He felt safe in knowing that he was going to be back in Toronto. Um, now that he's not in the way that they did him, (laughs) I mean, like we still don't have the whole story, so we can't say it's It's, all, it's still fishy on both sides. It really is. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I don't like, what do you do? What do you, Mm -hmm. I, me personally, I don't, Shirelli, I mean, Shirelli's going to come out and say, here's, you know, here's Adam Larson one for one. Um, Bergeron's going to come out and say, Bergeron's going to come out and say, here's, here's PK Subban for Shea Weber. Like, um, yeah. I mean, at, at this point in time, if you're looking for experience and I know they're saying they're going for somebody with bite, um, he's your best bet. I guess tree living's the best bet. Um, at the same time, like I wouldn't mind seeing somebody fresh, somebody new, like, like Tolski, like you're saying, or even you go Ryan Hardy within the organization. Ooh, I have not thought about Ryan Hardy yet. Do you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a guy, there's a guy who built the Chicago steel into a championship franchise. How many years? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're talking about it and, and they had, like name the names that he was signing to the Chicago Steel at at yeah. any given time, and I'll. But so you, you know he can scout. So, at you know, obviously he's not going to get the same opportunities to go out there and be like, oh yeah, well I want Fantilli, I want blah blah blah, I want blah. You know, like he's not going to have mm-hmm. that same opportunity. But you you have to take a step back and say like, this is a guy who knows how to communicate with the players, knows how to get people to sign within his organization, knows how to make it a place that people want to come and play. Um, you also, know, when he- the Marlies too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have, you have an organizational talent inside your own organization and he hasn't even been mentioned. Mm-hmm. He hasn't even been mentioned. So I like, I don't know. There's, there's options out there. I think, I think they're going to go with experience. They're going to go back to the old boys club because it's Brendan Shanahan. And that's the way that the, that's the way that this NHL works is that you go back to the old boys club. You're going to have a coach that's been recycled. You're going to have, uh, a couple assistants that are being recycled The you know, the whole front office is going to be recycled at some point. And I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm not sold on Brad for living either. I just, I think this was a colossal mistake by, by the organization, regardless yeah. of if Dubas was trying to play his cards and get more money. I think you, I think you fucked up. I really do. I think you fucked up. So I think that's where we're at with Brad for living. Um, obviously more mm-hmm. news will break over the next little while here. Um, as we get closer to the draft, as we get closer to the combine, as we, get cl- cause you got to have a GM in those meetings at the combine as well. Um, yeah. You know, we, we, we talk to players at the combine and they tell you all about their, their meetings. So you have to have yeah, somebody in there. That's asking tough questions. So 
you know, um, it's something to consider, but I think we're, I think we're closer than people think to getting a GM in Toronto. And I don't think it's going to be the answer that people want. So yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Also, I've already, it'll also make sense to have Brandon Pridham on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I I mentioned this last week, but what better way than to have the guy who knows the salary cap and do the contracts and everything like that. Right. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. He's, he's the, uh, he's the cap guru. Why not? Why not have him at the helm? So, um, before we get to our last topic, one last word from our wonderful sponsors here at, uh, um, here at, uh, the, the THPN network, um, Raycon let's face it with coffee starting at $5. Yes. Even without any customizations and our bank accounts somehow always depleting. It's like, we just talked about this. We are yeah, officially <laughs> entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing, but are priced differently solely based on the brand name. So a good duplicate or dupe is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on, Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want when you want without breaking the bank. Um, it also defeats the current inflation. It you know, it's easy to replace if you do lose them. Um, but Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart text listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of those other more big name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews for a number of reasons, including their awareness mode and their crystal clear call quality. Um, So right now, go buy Raycon. Go, sorry, go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today and get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash THPN. Well, you might want to investigate those cheap prices for Raycon wireless headphones because, I mean, it'd be a hell of a way to go. Or we can get into the investigation on our uh, good friend Kyle Dubis and his agent. Um, this kind of broke in the last 24 hours, 48 hours here. Uh, he's being investigated along with his agent by the NHLPA for it, it's kind of touched on tampering as well as uh, conflict of interest. Um, his agent works in the same firm as agents for Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Wasserman, um, yeah, uh, a, a, a number of, of high profile players in the NHL. Now, in saying that, Dubis's agent does work in a different department. Um, normally, he's he's more of on the golf side. He represents some high profile golf uh, PGA players as well. Um, so there is that idea that maybe because they're on two sides of the buildings, they don't cross each other in the hallway. They don't talk clients. They don't blah blah blah. What's your take on this investigation, Peter? Um, well, one is like with all the legal matters and stuff like that, I really don't know the ins and outs and everything. But um, 
David Alter summarized everything perfectly on a breaking news report or a news report on this. Uh, he wrote, according to the NHLPA certified agent regulations, agents are prohibited from representing or providing services to any officer or employee of an NHL club. Armstrong is not certified by the PA and is not subject to discipline because he works as a golf agent as opposed to a hockey agent. Um, I really don't know what to think of this yet. Um, is it really a conflict of interest if it's two different agents from two, two different, you know, sections? I don't know. I, I really don't. Yeah, they're part of the same group, but at the same time, you know, if he was a hockey agent, maybe, but at the same time, it, it, it I, again, I don't know how to wrap my head around this because, with the NHLPA, there are a lot of things that you could look at instead of this. And I know a lot of people are online are saying, oh, you'll look at a conflict of interest about an agent, but you're not looking at, you know, more in-depth stuff on the whole Kyle Beach thing. And I totally agree with everyone because, you know, priorities, right? You look at something more important and more, you know, this to me is may not amount to much for anything, but... um yeah, I, I think now we're just grasping at straws and storylines to try and keep this whole entire drama drama bomb, drama boat going or whatever. Um yeah, that that that's where I stand. I don't think much of it if it's if they were probably in the same realm, maybe, but because he is a golf agent, because everyone's gonna say, Oh, what are you gonna do about Austin Matthews right now? You don't want to anger the agency group with this because now he may jump ship. And we already talked about the whole contract thing about jumping ship or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I I really don't know how to approach this just yet. Or to me, it doesn't seem like much because other agents have done the same thing in the past. So I don't understand why this is a big issue. But if it is a conflict of interest, it's a conflict of interest. Uh, I I don't I, again. I really don't know the ins and outs of that. But to me, it's really not that big. But everyone is making. Not, it's not as big as everyone is making it out to be. From my perspective, here's the way I look at it: is there's nothing that's going to happen to Kyle Dubas. If anything happens, it's going to be to his agent because there is there is a strict rule in terms of like how the agency works. That according is true. To, yeah, according to uh, um, NHL PA agency, whatever regulations. So regulations. So I know they have to go through a process every single year to make sure that they're following these regulations. And by that standard, um, there is like this unwritten rule that they should not be working within the same agency. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I mean, I'll take I'll take a, a page out of Rachel Dory's book and and say you know, we're talking about this more than we talked about the Kyle beach situation. Yeah. And, and really this is a nothing, this is a nothing topic. If he did tamper, he tampered. I mean, if there was a conflict of interest, there's a conflict of interest. Nothing's going to happen to Kyle Dubas. It's mm-hmm. going to, it's going to be his agent at, at fault. And so then his agents at fault. Um, and that's going to be the end of the conversation. Um, yeah. So I do, I do think I, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, this is a, this is a conversation that's been blown way out of proportion. It doesn't need to happen. Um, Aside from that, 
You know what? Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? He's gone. There are more pressing matters in the NHL right now than just this. And it, officiating, and officiating, officiating, Department of Player Safety. There's yeah. a long list of things that you know the players' association should be looking at than just a contract negotiation or possible conflict of interest between an agent negotiating from the same group as a player. Yeah. I mean, no offense. How many agencies are out there and how many players and GMs and everything are represented from people in the same group? So, so my understanding is Wasserman represents a roughly 10% of the NHL body, uh, the NHL player body. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and if it's a big number, it is a big number, but let's yeah. say, let's say then a golf agent at the same agency represents one GM in the NHL and suddenly we're going to make a big deal about yeah, it. No, like, that's why it's, like, come on. It's it's yeah. laughable. I'm like, mm-hmm. I literally don't have any other reaction than I need to laugh at it. So um, anyways, Peter, before we shut it down uh, for, for episode 125, you got anything else you want to share with the listeners? Uh, be on the lookout for some draft stuff. You know, probably got something about Corey Perry in the works. Ooh, Ooh Corey Perry. Exactly. Ooh. I'm going to, I'm going to, again, I quoted this um, line from uh, The Dark Knight. Do you live to be your hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain kind of thing? Kind of the roles are reversing if Corey Perry becomes a Maple Leaf. Interesting. Interesting. I yeah. like it. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm dabbling now with the idea that I'm going to have something coming out with, uh, about Ryan Hardy, maybe stepping up within the organization. So yeah, we're, we're going to, we're going to have lots of, lots of pieces coming out at the hockey Raiders, Peter and I, as far as I know, we're going to the combine in a couple weeks here. So stay tuned for that. We're going to have a lot of, uh, so follow us on our, on our Twitter handles yes. here, right here. There's, I don't, I, I don't know. Anyways, it's right here. Um, follow <laughs> us on our Twitter handles. We're going to have lots that of was awesome. come by. But uh, definitely check out what we have there. We also have Mark Shag that's going to be there as well. So mm-hmm. he's always got some great stuff when he empties his, his combine notebook. It's always good stuff uh, from the interviews as well. So check that out. Check us out at the hockey writers. Make sure you follow us on YouTube here. Um, so you can, subscribe and get our subscription numbers up and you'll be Mm -hmm. notified every time we go live. We're hoping to have the sheriff on later this week. Also check us out on Twitch. We're now live on Twitch. You can hit us up on Facebook or uh, Instagram or TikTok, any of those. Um, We have lots more to come and we hope to continue to produce some great content throughout the summer for you as well. Uh, Otherwise check us all out on Twitter. You can follow Alex. Who's not here at a hops and media. You can follow Peter at P Barrichini, or you can follow myself at Andrew G Forbes. You can also find our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube handles down at the bottom of the screen right now if you're watching live. Twitter, it's sticks in the six pod. That's S-T-I-X-I-N-T-H-E-6-I-X-P-O-D. Otherwise, tune in later this week or next week for episode 126 of the show.